Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. And please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd love to have you join us in person at 10 a.m. this Sunday at Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can also connect with us online at frbc.com. Thanks again for checking us out and enjoy the episode. Leading up to this, uh, we've talked about uh, the wrong kind of change yet uh, last week, and we talked about really a change that is not God's way of change. And today I want to bring you to something, and if you'll allow me to get to the end of the lesson, we can tie this into the revival that we're having uh, as well during this time. But I want to talk about what this change looked like. What does change look like? Without a goal of the future, of what change actually is, of how it looks, of, what, of really even being able to recognize, is it occurring in my life? Um, I don't know that we can properly evaluate if we're being changed by God. And so I want to take you to Acts chapter number 9 where um, Saul really encounters Jesus uh, for in his life. He encounters God. Uh, the, God says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He says, why kickest against the pricks? Basically saying, God, uh, God has been prompting you. God has been doing something in you. The Holy Spirit's been working in your life. Why are you fighting it? And so um, we're not going to take the time, really, the, the thoughts from today are really all the way through verse number 31, but we won't take the time to read all of it just for sake of time, but I want to read down through a couple of this. Let's set the scene in verse number one where it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he be found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? Isn't it interesting? Other wiser, smarter people before me have brought this out. Isn't it interesting that he says Lord right away? Who art thou, Lord? He doesn't even really question where this is coming from. He's basically trying to discern what God are you? What, what am I hearing right now? Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Please remember that question. We'll come back to it. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, neither did eat, not, uh, neither eat nor drink. Let's skip down, and I want you to look at Ananias enters the scene. Ananias is a little bit nervous about this if you read through the passage. Let's skip down and look at verse number 15. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And then skip down to verse number uh, 22, 23. 
And after that, many days were fulfilled, and the Jews took counsel to kill him. Now talking about Saul. And it says, But their laying, uh, laying awake was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming and going out of Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Now the persecutor is being persecuted. Isn't it interesting that in one chapter, Paul, Saul, goes out to kill Christians. And by the end of that chapter, chapter he's the one who's being hunted and almost killed. Look at verse number 30. It says, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarshish. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. This is one of the first times outside of Acts chapter number six and one other time that you begin to see the multiplication of the church. Saul was a part of the multiplication of the Christians around him. And so before we go to the Lord in prayer, I want to ask you this question. Have you experienced a change from God? Have you experienced a change from God? I'm not talking about a change that you say, well, that could have been God, but, but my finances will have changed or, or my relationship status changed. I'm talking about a spiritual change. Sometimes we like to say, well, because my finances are okay, I don't need God. No, more than anything else in this life, more than you need a different job, more than you need a different boyfriend, more than you need a different girlfriend, more than you need anything else in this life, you need to experience a change that only comes from God. And so with that in mind, let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to help us. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for uh, your goodness in our lives. Lord, I'm so thankful that you are a God that does not desire to leave us the same. And there's many in this room that we've been in church all of our lives. We've, we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. We've followed you in baptism. And it's almost like that the change has slowed or it's been paused or, or it's just maybe even stayed stagnant. And you are a God who wants to continually push sin out of our lives. You want to continually give us a vision for the lost around us. You want to continually change our direction and, and change us for your honor and for your glory. And so may we not identify the other areas of our lives that we have changed or that we've worked toward. And may we just step back and for a little while on the week of this revival, may we focus on the spiritual change that you can provide. Lord, I ask you to give me wisdom, give me the words to say, fill me with your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. As we've walked through this series, I had a very distinct idea of where I wanted it to go. And as usual, life gets busy and life life changes. And some of you know that there's a lot of moving parts happening in our church right now. But as I've looked at through kind of the whole series, this lesson was the one that I was the most excited about. I would like to tell you that I was uh, smart enough and wise enough to put it on the week of revival, but I can't do that. I think God does it better than I can. And so uh, this is not planned, but I think that it is something that God has for us today. And when we talk about change, sometimes we see it as a negative. Sometimes we see it as something, well, I, I, we're not supposed to change. We're supposed to just last year or two years ago. I don't even remember our themes anymore, but we talked about being unmovable. 
We talk about being unmovable in, in the word of God and unmovable in our beliefs and unmovable in the things that God has done for us. And, and that is great that we use 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 58, where it says, Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. But my fear is this, is that there's many Christians that we have become unmovable in our ways rather than God's ways. We've become, we've become steadfast in doing it Joel's way rather than doing it God's way. To the point to where it takes a lot for God to budge us to his way because we're so set in our ways. And the thing that we have to understand about revival or even just pure Christianity, one of the things that I've said in this class before and I'll say it again here today is that revival should be the natural state of the Christian. What we call revival in the Bible was actually something that was normal. What we see is maybe a once or twice in a lifetime experience that maybe happened under a tent or happened as a result of a prayer meeting or whatever is actually the goal of Jesus Christ. God wants you to continually be revived. And so for us, when we look at this word called revival or spiritual change or Christian change or whatever you want to term it, if you, if you, get, if you get better, if you grow closer to Christ, I don't care what you call it, that is God's work in your life. And so what I want you to see today is this. Is that change is something that looks different than where you are. And I don't know about you, but one of the greatest frustrations of my life is that I can become so content with where I'm at with God. And I believe that what God desires for us as Christians is that we become and develop a holy discontentment with our spiritual lives constantly. To where we're never just saying, okay, I've arrived, I'm complacent now, I don't have to battle sin. Each and every day that you wake up is a battle against sin. Each and every day that you wake up is an opportunity for you to share the gospel. I never want to become content or complacent with how I share the gospel with other people. And sometimes we think, well, I handed out one track this week. That's a great step in the right direction. One of the challenges of our 90 days is to find someone over these next 13 weeks to share the gospel with every single week. Maybe it's the barista that you go and you get coffee from, right? We'll talk about budgeting next month, all right? <laughs> Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a classmate, but who is someone that you can begin to pray for and share the gospel with? But isn't it so easy in the busyness of life to just say, well, I I'm okay. And yet in scripture, what you constantly see is you see people that are okay, that God pushes to another level. And in Acts chapter number nine, here's what is so unique and interesting to me is that Saul, at the beginning of this chapter, is doing what he thinks God wants him to do. If you go and you study the history of Saul and really his education and his upbringing, Saul was a spiritual person. Saul knew what he was supposed to do. Saul knew the word of God. Saul knew... <coughs> Everything that he needed to know to be what we would deem a successful Christian. But watch this. He was kicking against the pricks. He was kicking against God's nudging in his life. To the point to where when God did speak to him, he had to say, Who art thou, Lord? 
And there's a lot of people that come and they sit in a church and they sit in a class and they show up to a young adult's class or they show up to a couple's class and watch this. They know everything that they need to know. But they're kicking against the praise of God. To the point to where when God does speak, they don't even know who he is. And so what I want to give you today quickly and then close with one thought is this. I want to give you three different things that change looks like. First of all is this. Change gives you a new direction. Change gives you a new direction or looks like a new direction. In Acts chapter number 9, as you read through this story, and I hope you'll go back and you'll read all 31 verses, even down to the end of the chapter, all 43 verses. But as you read through this, what you will find is that Saul's life has a completely new direction. What Saul was heading toward on the road to Damascus immediately changes when he finds and experiences Jesus Christ for himself. He doesn't continue to do the same things. He doesn't continue to associate with the same people. He doesn't continue to maybe pursue even the calling that he has. It's apparent that when he shows up in Jerusalem, he had obviously been pretty successful at the whole persecution mission. Because when he shows up, the disciples look at him and say, we don't believe that anything's happened. Anything's different. And it takes a man named Barnabas who comes alongside of him and says, no, this is what we've seen him do over here. You can trust this. He was good at what he was doing, but please watch this. God changed his direction. God changed his mission. God changed his vision in life. And please, right now, you are at such an interesting time. You are at such a critical time as a young adult. Because culture will tell you that you have to have a a beautiful spouse, and God can provide that. Culture tells you that you have to have all of this money, and, and God can provide when you need it. Culture will tell you that you have to have this education, and that you have to have this job, and you have to have this much in your bank account, and you have to have this much in retirement. And God wants you to be wise in all of those areas, but please hear me out. When God and when Jesus Christ has changed you, those are not the goal. Those are not our pursuit in this life. Our direction should look different than the 24,000 other students at MTSU. Your direction should look different than any other coworker that you work alongside of. You're not there just to, just to get a paycheck. You're there to be a light for Jesus Christ. And in the days and years ahead, This generation will have a choice to make. This generation will have a calling to either stand for Christ in the midst of what will probably be some difficult times. Or to cave in and say, no, my paycheck and my job security and whatever is more important to me. Saul would have remained a murderer had he not chose to change his direction. So first of all, change gives a new direction. But then secondly, I want you to see this. Change gives a new dependence. Change gives a new dependence. I shared a quote on Wednesday night a couple weeks ago in our Bible study as a church family. And I shared it again at Collegians for Christ. I won't share the whole quote for sake of time. But I made this statement. And it's a, I actually can't recall the guy's name who, who made the quote. But he said this. You are a soul that was made by God, made for God, and made to need God. Therefore, you were not intended to be self-sufficient. 
And too many times what we try to do is we try to say, well, God, I need you. I need you only when things get rough. No, you need God when things are good. And please listen to this. When change occurs in your life, what you see is the song, I need thee every hour. The song that we just sang, I'd rather have Jesus than anything. I'd rather have Jesus than riches and gold. He's fairer than lilies. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. Please watch this. When change has occurred, what you begin to realize is that your job is not what's keeping you. Your relationships are not what's keeping you. The things that this world tells you, your yogurt bowl that you put acai in is not what's keeping you healthy, all right? It is God in heaven who is keeping you upright, and your dependence begins to change. Amen. There's two people, and I'm, not, I'm going to get ahead of myself here. There's two people in Scripture that God has a face-to-face meeting with, and their names change, and something else changes about them. Paul's eyesight changed as a result of seeing and experiencing Jesus Christ. Jacob's walk changed as a result of wrestling with God. And watch this. Every time that Paul squinted his eyes to see something differently was a reminder that it wasn't about him, it was about God. Every step that Jacob took with the limp was a reminder that it wasn't about him, it was about God. And every time God brings a trial or a thorn or a difficulty into your life, it's a little reminder that it's not about you, it's about God. You were not made to be self-sufficient. You were made to need and to love the Lord your God. And so when God brings something in, it's an opportunity for you to draw closer to his side. And it's a little reminder that, Lord, I need you. And when change occurs, please watch this. When change occurs, one of the greatest signs is that it's no longer about you. It's about God. But then lastly, and we'll be done, is that change gives a new name. I want you to go and look at Acts chapter number 13 where we see this show up. Acts chapter number 13 and verse number 9 says this. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. It was pretty common for people in Bible times and in this culture to have dual names. Sometimes it was maybe something was shortened. We know that uh, if you study historically, Peter's name was uh, Peter in our language, but Peter also went by Petra at certain points. Uh, Simon, we know that, uh, that sometimes Peter was referred to as Simon Peter, okay? So it was, it was, it would almost be like us using both of our names. We were actually in Collegians for Christ the other day, and uh, Leah Faith introduced herself, and she said, I'm Leah Faith, and then Annalisa said, I'm Annalisa, and she said, you know you're in the South when everybody has two names, all right? So it's kind of like being in the South, all right? So Paul, Saul, all right? Simon Peter, all right? So Leah Faith, Annalisa, those are probably biblical names now, all right, because they're in the South. But watch this. That was pretty common. But isn't it interesting that Paul actually takes the time to begin to change his name to Paul? And it's interesting to me what the, what the names mean. Saul means prayed for. Paul means small and humble. Saul means prayed for. I don't know if in God's divine <coughs> wisdom that when, when Saul's mom birthed little Saul into the world, that he said, this is going to be someone who is going to be prayed for, and when I change their life, it's going to change the, tra- the trajectory of the Christian faith. 
And so in God's infinite wisdom, he puts this name Saul into the, into the mind of Saul's mom, and she names him Saul. And this is a child that is being prayed for without him even knowing. So Saul is prayed for, but isn't it interesting that as God begins to change and do the work in Saul's life, that he begins to go by Paul, which means small and humble. That he begins to say, okay, God, you've done the work in me. I've been prayed for. You've begun to change me. You've begun to do something different in my life. And so now, more than being known by someone who's prayed for, I want to be known by someone who is small, who is humble, who is nothing, who's not in it for me, who's not in it for my name. I want to be known by something other than that. And I want to be known by you changing my name to Paul and making me known as Paul. I've already referenced Jacob, but I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter number 32. And let me apply this quickly to revival. Last night, Brother Mike quoted the verse, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. It's one that we all know and love. It's what many refer to as the formula for revival. But he says, it says this. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall, see, shall humble themselves and pray, and what's the next, what's the next part of the formula? Seek my face. As I've read through that, I've always been intrigued by the fact that God takes a distinction between prayer and seeking my face. For us, we kind of use those terms together, don't we? We say, hey, would you come pray? And, or when we're really burdened about something, we'll say, would you please seek God's face about that? But God makes a distinction. Those are actually two different words if you go back and look at it. And he says, if my people which are called my, my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. The word seek my face is the Hebrew word peniel. Peniel shows up in Genesis chapter number 32 and verse number 30. And it's in the passage where Jacob wrestles with God. His name becomes Israel just a short time after this, so his name changes. It's also where God touches the halt of his thigh and makes him have a limp. So his dependence changes. But then it's also the passage where we see that Jacob begins to see what God is doing. And he begins to de depend and change his direction as well. And once you look at verse number 30, it says, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. Please listen to why. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved and as he passed over Penuel the sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh my fear in 2022 for you as young adults is that we've gotten too good at giving the appearance of godly change without ever actually experiencing it for ourselves is that we've almost gotten good at mimicking a limp more than actually wrestling with God face to face. And on a week like this where we set up a tent and we freeze to death, which we used to sweat to death, so we're just going on both extremes, all right? But on a week like this, you say, why do we do all this stuff? Why do we get a bigger tent? Why, why do we have any guest preachers? Why do we, why, why, why? It's because at the heart of it, 
our church is trying to provide you an opportunity to change. But at the end of the day, that's not something that a church can do for you. Only God can truly change you. And we have become so self-sufficient as Christians that we almost don't need God to change us. We don't need God to change us because we have uh, emergency funds and we have savings funds and, and we have this and we and we have our health and we have all, we have all of these little health gurus that we can follow and we have all these little fitness tips to help us live longer. At the end of the day, when change has occurred, here's what you see. Your direction changes. It looks different than any other direction that anyone else is going. You're the fish that swims upstream. You're the person who's walking a different way than everyone else. You look different. You talk different. You act different. You live different. You pursue different things. But you also change your dependence. You're no longer dependent upon yourself. When God has changed you, you realize this was never about me anyways, but then your name also changes. There's a lot of people in this room, me included, who we need to have a moment where we go from a Saul to a Paul. We need to have a moment where we go from a Jacob to an Israel. We need to have a moment where instead of having a swagger, we have a limp. And if we truly desire revival, we must determine that we're willing to be changed. Because if God speaks to a heart that is hardened to change, it doesn't do anything. It just sits there. The parable of the seeds being thrown. What kind of heart is God throwing seeds on into your life? If you're here today and you say, you know what, this whole Christianity thing, I've just gotten kind of cold to. It happens, okay? It, it's easy for it to do. Culture is so strong right now. And if you are not intentionally saying, God, what do you want me to change in my life today? It will be very hard for that to happen. But at some point, there will come a moment where God says, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. So why start kicking against them and just stop and say, Lord, this is how you're leading me. Maybe last night, Brother Mike said something about a sin. You say, you know what, this is something. It might have been some deep, dark sin. It might have just been simply the sin of, of bitterness. It might have just simply been the sin of, of not telling other people about the gospel. A sin of omission more than a sin of commission. But what is God teaching you and telling you to change right now in your life? Because here's what change looks like. You can stand up all day. You can have Christian in your bio of your Instagram account. You can say you're a Christian. You can post a selfie on Sunday morning saying that you went to church. But unless change has given you a new direction and a new dependence and a new name, then God is not done with you yet. And you need to allow him to change your life from the inside out and biblically change you. And for some of you, that means a penile moment this week. That means a face-to-face -to -face moment today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless.
Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. Remember to take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and tell others about this content. Remember, we would love to have you be our guest in person this Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can connect with us online at frbc.com, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.